Hey, everybody, and welcome back in to Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Good. You know, if, uh, if, if fall camp starts on time, one month from right now, one month from today, that's all, we, all that we need to traverse over time is one month, and it's the start of fall camp if we have a fall camp. Well, let's start there because you have been incredibly optimistic Yes. about there being football season. I mean, you have been the yes. champion of optimism for yes. a football season this year. I'm going to say, you know, I, I was right there with you because I didn't want to believe anything else. And I think that's probably how most football fans have been, sort of sticking our fingers in our ears and going, la, 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 this virus won't affect football, la, la, la. Well, now, Jimmy, tomorrow, Tomorrow, the Ivy League is going to announce whether or not they're going to play football in the fall or spring or if at all or whatever. And I think the consensus is that the Ivy League is going to say, we're going to try and do this in the spring. And if they do that, it is going to be a domino effect. Look, the Ivy League was the first one to cancel their conference basketball tournament. And everybody at first snickered a little bit. And then a day or two later, everybody was following suit. So that's what concerns me greatly. And, um, man, we have all summer to go over what the hell we're going to do in the fall if there is no football. So I don't want to spend a podcast in early July talking about all that. But I think it's fair to say that both you and I have now gone from optimism to at least um, uh, borderline pessimism, right? Yeah, uh, I'm definitely not as optimistic as I was. I still think there's a chance. I still think that it could happen. I still think that the powers that be desperately want there to be a season, even with no fans, simply because the TV contracts are worth so much money and everyone will be in tremendous financial peril without football. The consequences in Tuscaloosa would be devastating, yet... Tuscaloosa is better built to withstand this than others. So it just goes to show the extent of the calamity because, man, if there's no football in Tuscaloosa this fall, you wonder how many local businesses that are, are on the periphery, such a part of Alabama football, would just fail without having the, the influx of money they get in the fall, like hotels, restaurants, shops, um, to say nothing of, of what would happen with the university uh, without having literally the over hundred million dollars that comes in every year because of football. So it's going to be devastating. And for, for that reason, I, I think every effort is being extended, but I'm just not optimistic. I'm with you on the, I do think the Ivy league could start a domino process. I think it could, where it's always the first to say, hey, we're not going to do it. Uh, you know, there has to be a first. They don't mind being the first. And while there's two things here, Luke, well, one is I do think that Harvard and Yale and Dartmouth and those sco- the schools, the prestigious elite academic schools, they are tone setters, I think, for universities as a whole. I mean, they're at the top of the food chain academically, and prestige, and, and I think there's this thinking that they always know the right thing to do because they're so damn smart. Um, I, and I, I think there's a lot of that, and if they're the first, it could be 
dominoes. It could be all the other. It might it might start the dominoes this way, Luke, where the Ivy League says we're not playing, and then multiple FCS conferences follow because that's really what the Ivy League is. They're an FCS conference. Then the Southern League and the Big Sky and other FCS leagues might say, you know, hey, well, well they're not playing until the spring. Well, you know, that's what we're going to do. And it just starts until ultimately an FBS conference says, okay, well, we're not going to play. So it could start a domino effect. But but maybe it doesn't in this one sense. They are not factoring in. The Ivy League does not have to factor in the loss of revenue. I don't know how much money those schools make playing football. For all I know, they make zero or they break even or they lose money on football, but they make it so many other areas, it doesn't matter. I know that the Ivy League doesn't have a contract that's going to be bringing it gigantic sums of money to have, you know, Yale play Brown on TV every fall. I I just can't. So TV contracts, the college football playoff, uh, those are irrelevant to their decisions. The NFL draft which is a factor with college football moving games to the spring. So the fact that the Ivy League has to consider none of those things and they're first and foremost with what the FBS conferences are dealing with, um, maybe it doesn't have a domino effect that way. Maybe they're like, hey, what we're doing is so dramatically different than what you're doing. Uh, You know, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Georgia were not Harvard, Yale, and Brown. We, we, We have a completely different mission as a public state school. Uh, So maybe it's not a domino effect, but is it going to be looked at and is it going to be a factor? No question. And and to me, it's not a surprise as to what's going to happen tomorrow with the Ivy League. I mean, the Ivy League is going to cancel football this fall. I mean, that that, that hay is in the barn there. They're going to say that they're going to put together a spring schedule. and that's what they're going to say. So the question at that point is, okay, when the dominoes fall, and there will be dominoes, when the dominoes fall, does it reach the FBS? Does it reach the Power Five? Does it reach the SEC? Those are the questions. I'm pessimistic about football now based on all that, based on the fact you know, cases are sharply up in 35 states. Deaths have flattened, which is good news for sure. But you can't look at only only deaths because of the costly hospitalizations. You know, obviously, when cases go up, hospitalizations go up. There's no doubt that's true. Um, so we'll we'll see. But I'm definitely less optimistic than I was. But I will be optimistic about one thing, Luke. And this is this will be. I'm not saying it's saving the day because we're all about college football in Alabama. But I still believe, regardless of what college football does, I believe the NFL is going to play. And you can understand why. Those are professional athletes that are paid millions of dollars to play football. It is reasonable for them to be asked to risk their health, <laughs> to earn their paychecks. They actually do it in their sport every, every week. I think this country needs the NFL, particularly with college football canceled. So I think we'll have football this fall. I think what we're going to have is NFL football this fall. And uh, my guess is because uh, – Every NFL game, no matter who's playing who, the ratings are huge. So so if there's no college football, there will be football on Saturdays. I think there'll be NFL. The NFL will play on Saturdays and Sundays, and there'll basically be NFL games starting Saturday at noon. And uh, and they'll just be broadcast all day. We'll get we'll get six six major NFL time slots 
noon, 3.30 and 7 p.m., Saturday and Sunday, I bet we get of, uh, of NFL games. I mean, <clears throat> I can go for that. Um, it, it, is, it is certainly better than nothing. I'm going to tell you as a big AHSAA guy, um, I get to do a scoreboard show every Friday night and uh, that's statewide here in Alabama. I also get to call the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star Game. I get to call the Super 7. You know, if there's no college, I would have to assume there's no high school. And that just makes me sick to my stomach. And again, I've said this over and over on the podcast. Here's what uh, really bothers me about this is that this doesn't happen in a vacuum. This isn't just a year where you say, okay, um, we just won't do it this year. And then, you know, next year we'll just pick up where we left off. No, I mean, think about the seniors in high school that can't come back. They just won't get to come back and they won't get that senior year. They're, they're seniors who are maybe have hit a growth spurt that uh, are going to be able to showcase their, their newfound talents to parlay that into some kind of scholarship to a, a very nice school or any school at all. And they may not get the opportunity to do that um, because they won't be a football season. So, I mean, this is this is going to be a painful, painful thing. And I'm really kind of tired of the some narrative out there where people say this is just a game and, it, and it's not more important than human life. That's such a strong argument to me because, yeah, nothing is more important than human life. We all get that. OK, so but let's not down the importance of football in American society. It is the, the most popular sport far and away. It's not close. It's pro football one, college football two, and high school football maybe three at this point. Um, so it is the most popular sport there is. And um, to say that, you know, hey, it's only a game, that's not true. It, it, Tuscaloosa and Auburn and Starkville and Knoxville and Nashville to some degree and I mean, all these cities, Oxford, they all depend on football. Um, and, and if they don't have it, it is going to affect a lot of lives. So when you say, hey, it's just a game, you're not taking into account the whole big picture here. And um, it's it's kind of offensive to everybody else. You, you know, it, it's, it's just huge. And, um, man, it is really becoming a scary reality for me that uh, we're not going to have football. So, Jimmy, we'll talk about this a little bit more right after the break. Okay, so we may not have a football season. In fact, I would say at this point, Jimmy, you and I are both at the 49% will, 51% won't have a football season level at the very least. Um, And that is a scary proposition. There's no doubt about that. But let's move on and talk a little bit about recruiting. Um, it looks like uh, Mr. Blackshire, who we have been, we've decided that's going to be what we call him, um, is Blackshire or Blackshire. It, I think Blackshire is cooler, so we will go with the cooler name. And it looks like he will be committing soon, although he has said on numerous occasions when he'll be committing, and it's always been rather ambiguous, and this time is no different. He said, in an interview with BOL, I'll be committing in two weeks or January or July 15th, one of those two dates. Yeah, that's uh, that's not very specific. <laughs> <laughs> He's never been very specific, but but the only thing that has been specific is it's been apparent that Alabama has led 
for most of this process for him, even specifically stated in the same article that coming off his ACL tear, that he has a lot of faith in Alabama's training staff, strength and conditioning staff, and that he feels that his uh, rehab or coming off the knee injury is going to be best treated by Alabama staff. And, and, uh, and he makes a good point about that. that Jeff Allen's probably the, the best in the business. So, uh, I would be excited to get him. It's, it would be another very highly ranked player. Uh, he is definitely an inside thumper, but uh, I, I think there is video evidence to suggest that that he can play in space. Uh, it, it's it's such a big thing, you know. I, this is how big that is. You know, last night I watched the first half of the LSU game from last year. Pretty much a low point of the season for Alabama in terms of. You know, we got our ass kicked. We're down by freaking 20, you know, at the half. <laughs> you know, it, we're, we're, we're getting killed. We only, we only forced two punts the entire half the, on all other possessions LSU scored. Uh, so defensively, we're, we're really getting raked over the coals. Well, you know, one, one, one guy that I thought really struggled that first half was Mark Hill Benton. Uh, he was in the game because of concerns over Shane Lee's ability to play in space. And that matchup was really going to hurt us against LSU. They're, they're, they're so good at getting like uh, Claude Edwards-Hilaire uh, in space with the ball. I think that Alabama really feared that matchup, and they just felt going in that, okay, well, well, we'll play Benton. He's our best inside linebacker athletically, so we'll put him out there. And uh, Benton really struggled. I don't know whether it was an experience or the fact that he's just not as good as the LSU players he was a uh, he was having to cover, but uh, Benton really struggled. And, and Benton is a smaller, more athletic guy, maybe than even Blackshire. Maybe I just say it to illustrate how difficult it is to find inside linebackers that are good at that. That's not an Alabama flaw. That's a college football and even NFL football flaw. It's very difficult to find big guys. You want a big physical guy there in the middle of the defense, and it's just hard to find these unicorns. That, that can play both roles, be a big physical guy, but at the same time be able to play in space. It's, it's kind of the hardest guy to find these days. So uh, that's going to be the question with Kendrick Blackshire. You know, uh, otherwise, if he can't play in space, he's basically just a situational player, which is important because you do play against teams that are physical running the ball that, you know, then, and, and, and he'd be out there and run downs and be good at that. But you know, ideally you want to sign linebackers that are three down players. So that's the question with him, but he is an elite prospect and on tape, uh, on tape in the high school, he does a pretty good job. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I saw a clip of him on a seven on seven thing. Now he was back in the 10th grade then, but I saw a clip of him playing seven on seven football in the 10th grade. And he, he ate up a lot of ground on one play, basically covering a back on a wheel route. He's running step for step with the guy all the way down the field. So, We'll, uh, we'll see. I'll be excited to get him for sure, assuming it happens. Yeah, I feel like that that move will take place. And it is funny because you do have to sort of pick your poison in recruiting nowadays, it seems like. You know, back in the day, if you saw Kendrick Blackshire, you're like, I, I want him. I, I don't care. I'll figure it out. But I think you're right that now you have to consider, okay, he's going to be guarding somebody like, uh, you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire, and you have to be able to guard him too. And what we've noticed, as much as I loved Shane Lee, and frankly, Shane Lee wasn't as bad as our fans think he was. He was he was okay, especially for a true freshman. Um, 
he definitely has some things to work on. And, it, you know, in 1985, Shane Lee would have been a freshman All-American um, mm-hmm. because everybody's trying to run up the middle or, or run it wide. And, and he he's, you know, nobody's throwing to the back. Well, now people are throwing to the back and he has to sometimes maybe even switch over and guard a slot or a tight end or something like that. And these guys are so freakishly athletic that it's uh it's difficult for somebody who's built like he's carrying motor parts in his shirt. So yeah, here's um, a good example. I wonder what if you substitute if you go back to 1999 and you take the Shane Lee that we had this year in 20 and 2020 or the, or the Shane Lee in 2019 and take him back to 1999 and take out redshirt freshman inside linebacker Marvin Constant, who everybody at Alabama until he was injured. Basically, Marvin Constant was a fan favorite and a certain one-day All-American, and we couldn't be more excited about our freshman inside linebacker. I mean, is Shane Lee the same player Marvin Constant was? Probably, maybe even better. But Marvin Constant wasn't playing in a defensive scheme that, that required him to cover skill players down the field. We really didn't require Marvin Constant to do anything outside of the tackle box, and he was really, really, really good at it. Uh, I, I bet Shane Lee, I'm, I'm telling you, I think Shane Lee would, would have been at least the same player that Marvin was. It's just a different world. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a good co- comparison too, of uh, Marvin Constant. And uh, yeah. boy, is it just me or every time you hear the name Marvin Constant, you think about the injury at LA, against LSU. When know, he made yeah. the stop and, he and made the got injured. He's, oh. he, he wrecked his career, saving the game. I mean, that's really what happened. And a guy who was such a good player all, all year long, too, and and that injury uh, changed things for him. But, gosh, it's 20 years later, and we still remember him for how good he was and the injury and, and his contribution to Alabama. I'm just saying that the game has changed so much that, that a Shane Lee would have been just a dominant presence in 1999. And in, in 2019, we're like, this guy's, you know, terrible in space. Well, I'm with you. I don't really think he's terrible in space. I, I think it was a lack of experience. I think he he didn't have a full year to work on his strength and conditioning. I think he's still carrying some high school weight that uh, Baloo and, and Ray will take care of. And I, I think we're going to see a trimmer, quicker, better Shane Lee. But, uh, you know, assuming everybody stays healthy, he's obviously going to play fewer snaps because Dylan Moses and Christian Harris uh, who, who are both excellent players in space because Dylan Moses is a freak athlete and Christian Harris was a defensive back in high school. Uh, so they're better in space and they're the ones that will be playing the majority of the snaps uh, this season, assuming good health. All right, Jimmy, let's talk about some more about basketball. Um, I guess here's another thing nobody's really seemed to mention. If football doesn't get started, uh, why on earth do we feel like basketball is a sure thing to happen? I mean, that's, that's, that seems uh, like rather optimistic to believe that if, if football doesn't happen, well, at least we got basketball coming up. I don't know about that. Um, yeah. But I guess only because it's later, but the fact of the matter is basketball is an indoor sport. Maybe it happens because there's less contact, but, but the fact that it would happen with fans in the stands is, is a good question because you have to figure it's more unsafe for fans to be at basketball, everybody crammed indoors, uh, as opposed to the outdoor football. So I, I agree that basketball season is to some extent in peril. And uh, 
And if it does happen, just like the football, I won't be surprised if they try to push it back. Well, it's funny. Because May madness, that, anyone? Yeah. March madness becomes you, May madness. You say that there's not as much contact. And, and, and while I agree with that, there's all, you're also much less protected. I mean, That's at right. least in football, you have an entire uniform on that can probably catch some saliva if it falls off of somebody. But in basketball, you're out there practically naked. I mean, if somebody – it, it is kind of funny if you if you wore a basketball outfit just on the beach or something. Everybody's like, "What the hell's wrong with that guy?" <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're practically naked out there, and you're rubbing up against everybody. I don't, I don't know, man. Here, here's one thing though that's going to happen. Assuming assuming it goes off without a hitch, there is a test case for college basketball, and that's the NBA, which starts up at the end of this month. If the NBA plays through the brunt of the pandemic. And they're able to play the games and to very high TV ratings and beyond a smattering of positive tests, there isn't something that brings the season or games to a halt. It's going to be very difficult for proponents of college basketball to just to just blow off the season. Or I mean, if the NBA is on the floor and playing, it's kind of like the test case. Like, well, yeah. They're playing. <laughs> Why can't we? They're playing. Um, now, in reality, it's easier to keep those NBA players healthy. I mean, they're, they're living in the famous bubble. They're constantly surrounded by trainers and medical staff, whereas students at school uh, can't be in a bubble like that. So, uh, But nevertheless, I, I think maybe basketball is more likely to be played if the NBA goes off without a hitch. Now, imagine the NBA starting the season – Something happens three weeks into it, they have to stop. That would be disastrous for college basketball, you know, too. I mean, you know, if the NBA is like, well, we couldn't even pull it off, then <laughs> college basketball has no chance. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the thing about basketball, there are already some guys that are deciding to opt out yeah. pro basketball right now. So yeah. that's also somewhat scary. I mean, it's, boy, I'm, and look, everybody, we hate to be so um, raining on people's parade today. But I guess, Jimmy, it, it sunk in with me a little bit because you actually texted to a, a group of friends that we text with all the time that, uh, you know, this is the first time you have felt like, OK, we're not having football. And when you said it, it struck a chord with me because I'm like, I count on Jimmy to be my rate of life. And um, I don't like the fact that Jimmy is sort of like, eh, things aren't looking so good. It's kind of like when you go to the doctor and he says, yeah, um, do you have a will or something? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I don't, and, 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 and I don't want people to think that, that it's inside scoop or that I've talked to somebody in the football building that, told me we're not having football. It's not that. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite. The last time I talked to a really good source with Alabama football, uh, <laughs> there was a 100% plan moving forward to play not only the games, but playing USC and Dallas on Labor Day weekend and let's go. I mean, that's the pl- That's what they're working toward, and that is a fact because that's how Nick Saban's going to roll. He's going to get this team ready to play until he is told emphatically by someone in authority that – those games are not going to be played until that happens. Uh, the team 
is, 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 is preparing for USC on Labor Day weekend. So I don't want people to think that, that my pessimism is about that. I'm just talking about a general pessimism in terms of, uh, uh, you know, whether games can be played at all uh, with no fans. Um, there's just so many, so many cases. In fact, I've got for the first time, and maybe this is influencing, I've got four family members that are COVID positive right now, you know, and, and they're fine. Yeah, they're fine. Uh, I mean, no one is hospitalized or super sick, you know, at this point, although they're all sick. They're not asymptomatic at all. They're sick. Um, so, I mean, you factor, you factor all that in with, 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 the, with the rising cases and my own county for the first time is having a tremendous surge in cases after being sort of COVID-free. But Baldwin County is through the roof now, probably because of the tourism, you know, that comes in and out um, of, of Orange Beach and Gulf Shores. So, uh, yeah, you add it all up and I'm, I'm pessimistic for the first time. But that being said, uh, one thing that does give me optimism is the fact that today, in our weight room at Alabama, our team is going to be working their ass off getting ready for USC on Labor Day weekend. So until they stop doing that, maybe we should retain optimism. Uh, let me throw a shameless plug out there uh, and because I want your feedback here. I, for the AHSA Radio Network, I did, I'm starting a monthly segment, we hope it'll be monthly, of AHSA Legends. And this first interview that we did, it was, by the way, if you do go check it out, I'd love for you to, you can go to the AHSA Radio Network Facebook page or the Twitter page. Just look up AHSAA Radio Network uh, on Twitter and you can check it out. But uh, I interviewed George Teague and that was the first one because he played at Jeff Davis. It was, you know, kind of more about his high school days, but I also talked about some other things. Uh, that, that went on. Obviously, he you know he still owes the record for longest inter- interception return for a touchdown in NFL playoff history. Um, he is is the only player ever, I think, to cause three turnovers on three consecutive possessions uh, uh, against another team. He did that while playing for Dallas, I believe, against Minnesota. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy. I mean, this guy has led a life. Now he's a head uh, football coach in McKinney, Texas. I think he's also the athletic director, um, just a super, super guy. But I would encourage everybody to go check that out again, AHSA Radio Network, a Twitter or Facebook page. But the reason I bring it up, Jimmy, is because I'm looking for suggestions for other people to interview. Now, um, it doesn't have to be somebody that played for Alabama. It can be – he can play for anywhere. Um, we have a bunch of names already. Uh, but, you know, if you can ever think of anybody, they'd be like, hey, that'd be cool to hear from him about his high school days. I mean, somebody like uh, uh, George Teague brought up Electron Williams. I'd, I'd love to get in touch with him. I, I mean, I don't know anything about him, where he is, what he's doing, what he's happened down here. to him. He's down here. He's he got is down here. So, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. He's in, uh, I believe he even lives in Baldwin County. Uh, I know his uh, boy is a, a rising ninth grade running back at Daphne High School. And, uh, has some of his dad's moves, I might say. This kid is small. He's small. The question with him is, is he going to ever grow? But if he does, he's going to be a thing. I can tell you that. If he grows and maintains the moves he's got in eighth grade football, uh, Electron's boy is going to uh, hes going to be a thing in recruiting. But yeah, he's down here. I, I can uh, make a couple calls and hook you up if you want to. That's what I want you to Electron. do that. 
Yeah, do that. But, I, you know, I also encourage any, I would, I really do want you to do that. But also I want anybody out there listening that says, hey, you know, uh, I know a guy that um, he didn't go to college, but he was a, a high school superstar. I mean, the, the, you know, somebody that stands out. Now, this is the, this is ironic because he didn't actually play in the AHSA. He played in the AISA, I believe. Jeremy Monso. A lot of people remember him. Yeah, the I remember basketball him. I do. He, basketball player. Like him. Yeah, the guy like him. He was, I mean, he just scored like 50 points a game or something, but he, he played in the AISA, so it wouldn't count for this. But somebody like him, I, I always think about the story. Uh, I played for Indian Springs uh, School in, in high school, and obviously we weren't a very athletically oriented school. It was more academic, which is even more ironic that I was able to get in. But um, I was the basketball guy. I mean, I, me and another guy named Joe Hammond, we were the two guys that uh, just really ate up basketball over there. And uh, one year we had to play Clay County. I played against Lance Weems when he was a freshman, and he was just really good. But what I remember most is playing a kid named Billy Ross. And, Jimmy, he was built like Shane Lee. I'm not, I'm not shitting you. I'm not joking. He was unbelievably athletic. And I think I was in 10th grade. It was like my, I was either in 10th or 9th grade. I was on the varsity team and I was um, out, you know, just out there trying to find my way, get my feet wet. And I'll never forget being dunked on by him. I, I mean, it was, it was. You got posterized? Uh, you were oh, posterized? Well, I didn't even jump. So it's hard to say that I was posterized, but I saw him coming and I, it was a business decision. I just said, I got to move. And what's funny is, um, he, uh, I think his, his, uh, his high school coach at the time was Jerry Weems, who's Lance Weems' dad. And I saw Jerry, uh, at, um, at, uh, the, one of the final 48 or, you know, the finals, I guess, um, in, in basketball that I call every year for the HSA. And I said, man, I just got to tell you, I, Billy Ross, where the hell is he? And I told him the story and he said, you know, He's actually in Australia. He went and played some pro ball there, and then he just stayed there, and he's, you know, like a sort of a a, a missionary. I mean, he he he's out there just uh, spreading the word of God. I mean, he's 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 really a great, great kid. And so that would be a, a perfect interview. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure. You know, if I call Australia, what am I doing? Calling the future? Aren't they like two and a half days ahead of it? <laughs> so yeah, I don't it's, know uh, how to it's, it's November. It's November there. <laughs> and plus, I mean, I'm scared. I've, I've been watching, you know, the Nature Channel because I'm bored like everybody else. I'm scared to even call Australia for something biting me through. They got more poisonous shit over there than anybody's ever heard of. But anyway, hey, if anybody. How did all that happen? Because it, there, it's an island. I mean, I know it's a tremendously sized island, but how did so much dangerous stuff get there? I guess it's just always been there and never left. Do you think. Because it can't okay, get off the island. Not- wasn't it colonized by, wasn't it sort of like a British uh, uh, penal colony? I mean, like a yeah. British, that's where they sent a lot of their. That's just my rudimentary people. knowledge. Yeah. My rudimentary historical knowledge says, yes, it was a uh, penal colony that the British sent their, their criminals to. And uh, now, and obviously there's, a, uh, you know, they have an Aboriginal uh, population as well. And, uh, but yeah, to my knowledge, that's that's the uh, that's how that started. To my knowledge, but I'm, I'm sure well, well, I'm sure it's a tad more in depth than that. The only reason I know that is because of the Simpsons. When the Simpsons went to Australia, <laughs> they mentioned that, and I'm like, oh my god, that's interesting. I never knew that. But I wonder. I wonder if Noah 
way back when sent all the poisonous animals show you like i'm not putting y'all on my boat <laughs> i'll dump y'all off there's this island i know there's no one there's hardly anyone there <laughs> yeah y'all all you tarantulas and you know sea snakes and koalas with sharp claws y'all get on this boat because i'm sending y'all somewhere else <laughs> there is high ground there just get off the boat and head to the high ground we'll check on you in a few hundred years then that's why they sent the prisoners there. The uh, British, they knew <laughs> that Noah had dumped off all the, all the really dangerous animals in Australia. So the British were like, hey, let's send all the murderers and the rapists down there where Noah dumped all the scorpions. All it did was make them tougher. Um, <laughs> all right, everybody, roll tide. Roll tide. <laughs>